We are going to move on. Hebrews chapter 12. If you've been around, that's no surprise that we're turning there this morning. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we're continuing once again. Since really the end of January, we've been in these thoughts, but so many facets of it about running the race that God has set for us to run. So we're going to read this verse again, Hebrews 12 verse 1. And then we're going to look at a whole new um, aspect of it again this morning. Hebrews 12 verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us to run. So if you're brand new to us uh, this morning or if you haven't been around over the last few months, we've actually been in this verse and orbiting around this one verse uh, for many, many weeks now and drawing out so many different facets of what this one verse means. It's amazing how you can read one verse in the Bible and then flick onto the next page, but actually there's so much that God wants to teach you through each individual verse. And so we've been in no rush in this verse, Hebrews 12 verse 1, and we've been talking about what this race is, but it's a race of faith. We've been talking about the fact uh, that this race is one that we're running the moment that we place our faith in Jesus Christ. It's a faith race. We've been looking at a number of the weights that we carry in life that slow us down, things that are just on top of us, things that get the better of us. We've looked at sins that so easily, the Bible says, entangle us or trip us up, those things that you keep doing that you say, I'm not going to do those anymore. They keep tripping you up in the race that you are running. We've talked about endurance and patience, and we have over the last few weeks, we've talked about the fact that the Bible says we're to run this race with endurance. We've spoken about the Holy Spirit as our coach in this race. We've talked about our response to stuff that happens in the race. And so a lot that we've covered, and all those messages are available at family.church forward slash listen. You can hear those messages again, and if you go through them and missed one or particular, then catch up on those. But today I want to move on a little bit while remaining in the same verse, because we've been talking a lot about running an individual race. A lot of what we've been speaking about is how it's us and God and there's an individual race that God has for us to run. But I want to open that thought up a little bit over this course of this month and look at the fact that in part this is also a relay race. So we're going to be unpacking this thought over this month of May and looking at what we mean by that. That There is an aspect, I've got a baton here that we're going to be uh, using as a prop throughout the month of May to, to illustrate this thought, to have in our mind but actually, we are all running an individual race. But there is a relay aspect to this race that we are running. Now, a relay race is always one that, to me, I always love. Whether it's a school sports day or whether it's the 4 by 100 meter final at Olympic Games or, or another uh, event that takes place, there's always drama when it comes to the relay race. And when it happens well, it's something that is like poetry in motion. When it doesn't happen so well, it's something that can look like a catastrophe. So we're going to watch a quick video on the screen uh, that really encompasses both of those things, the success and the failure of a relay race. And Jamaica are in the lead, then USA and Trinidad. It's Jamaica all the way, and it's Usain Bolt who takes it. Oh, there's a fall! 
Oh no, once again a tragedy for the USA and indeed for Trinidad, leaving Usain Bolt to come home supreme style and 37.04 is on the clock. It's a world record. What a way to end these championships in Daegu. Problems for the other teams. Jamaica were left on the glory lane. Usain Bolt, what a man. Absolutely staggering. I think the Jamaicans were going so fast it caused problems for all the other teams. They just couldn't keep up. And Jamaica are in the That's lead. like the biggest then understatement USA. ever, isn't it? I think he's running so fast it's caused a few problems for the other team. Yeah, somewhat. Listen, as we run this race, this relay race, spiritually, um, we want to be more Usain Bolt than America as they fall over or whatever other team, if there's any Americans here, we're not pinpointing, it just happened, okay? Um, whatever other teams fall over in this race. But I want us to see this, that there is a relay race in what we're running. Now that speaks into many different facets. There's a sense in which this race of faith is a relay race in the sense that there are generations that have come before us that have handed the baton to us, and there is a generation that will follow. Read the Bible. The Bible talks in Hebrews 11 of men and women, heroes of faith, who did so many mighty exploits for God. That there's been generations of church planters and missionaries. There were the early disciples who, who were used by God to launch the church. That there's multitudes of people who ran their race. There's parents that you may not have anymore who've gone to be with the Lord. There's grandparents who you look back on, you've got photos of, and they were people who ran the race of faith. And you know what? They've passed on the baton, and here we are in 2022, and this is our generation. This is our moment. It doesn't matter what age or stage of life you're at. If you are breathing this morning, which I truly hope every single one of you is still breathing, if you're breathing this morning... Then this is your, whether you're 15 years old or whether you're 85 years old, this is your moment. This is our generation to run the race. And there is a, a demand on us for how we are running the lap that God has placed us on this earth to run. And there will be a moment where either Jesus comes again and the race stops and takes on a new form, or we hand on the baton to another generation that follows. There's a legacy in this faith. This this. Baton also to me represents discipleship. That this relay race is one of discipleship. We're not just running this race by ourselves. That there are things that God has poured into your life that you now need to pass on. There is wisdom that men and women of God have shared with you that you now need to pass on. There are testimonies that you need to get better at sharing of what God has done. There's a sense in which this speaks of discipleship. To me this also speaks of unity. Because we're not going to run all that well if we're disunified. If we're like the, the team who are not knowing where the next person is starting, falling up all over us. If we're not in a place where we are fluid and there's unity, then the running of a race that God has equipped us to run will not be as effective as it could be if we were a unified people in God. This also, to me, speaks of the church of Jesus Christ around the world. That this morning and this evening, and because we're 24 hours and there's so much going on in different time zones, the Church of Jesus Christ 24-7 is working together around the world yeah. and bringing the kingdom of God to different cultures and into different lands. And so over the month of May, these five Sundays that we've got in May, we're going to look at a different aspect of each of those. I encourage you to be around for as much of it as you can. But today I want to lay a foundation with this. 
And I want to speak to a really, I'll be honest, a simple message, but one that's foundationally so important to this idea of running this relay race, because I want to talk about the fact that church plays a massive role in us passing on and using the baton. And as I speak on this, the truth is that yes, we all have an individual lane that we're running in. And we all have an individual race to run. For example, you cannot run my race. When I stand before Jesus, I will be responsible for the race that I have run. I won't be able to go, well, talk to Kirsty about that bit. Or, you know, talk to Nimi about what happened. No, 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 I'm responsible for my race and you're responsible for your race. As pastors, we can shepherd you and guide you and encourage you, but you are ultimately responsible for the race that you are running. But even though there's an individual aspect to this, we need to understand and realize that there are others running with us. And as we run, they are there to support us, we are there to support them, and together we can make a kingdom difference. Amen? Now, we need to realize that as we run this race of faith, God has given us a number of gifts that we can use to run this race more effectively, right? Just like a natural athlete, they have certain things that if they use them and if they have a correct revelation of them, they will run the race more effectively. For example, the greatest 100-meter runners have a certain diet that helps them to run effectively. You won't do all too well as a 100-meter runner if you are, running, you know, if you are eating I know, curry every single night of the week which is a shame, because otherwise I think I'd be a pretty decent 100-meter runner. But there's a diet that they work to that's important, but they need to have a revelation of it. Trainers, correct footwear, the best footwear. I mean, we saw Usain Bolt there running incredibly fast, but imagine if if he was running down that lane with like these massive Dutch clogs on. Imagine how effective he would be. Or Wellington boots, and he's running down... I mean, he probably still would beat them, but that's the rest of them... If they're running with clogs or Wellington boots, they're not going to be effective in the race. A coach will help you in the race, and so on and so on. We need to understand that spiritually God has given us certain things to help us run the race. The Word of God. The Bible is given to you as you run the race. But how often you use it and your revelation of it will determine how effective it is in your life. If you never read it, it can't be very effective in your life. If we have a misunderstanding of what it is and we just see it as some historical text or, you know, something that you use to bash people over the head with to tell them how they're doing terribly wrong in their life. Listen, if we don't have a correct revelation of what the Bible is, it won't be effective in our life, nor will it be effective if we don't use it. There's other aspects. The Holy Spirit. Do we understand that the Holy Spirit is a gift that God has given to us? Do we have a correct revelation of who he is? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is our comforter, he's our teacher, he's our counsellor, he's our guide, he's a revealer of truth, and as we said in this series, he's a coach to help you to spiritually run the most effective race that you can run. Prayer. Prayer is another gift that God has given to us as we run this race, but we will never use it effectively if we don't have a good revelation of what prayer is all about. So you see all these things that God has given to us that are there to add to our race, that are there to help us, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, prayer. But another aspect that God gives to us that we need to understand what it is and have a good revelation and use it to its best effect is the church of Jesus Christ. Now Galatians 6 verse 9 to 10, just turn there for a moment. Galatians 6 9 to 10. 
Paul writes into the Galatian church, and he says this, talking about sowing and reaping. He says, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. Now, that's a whole other message in itself. In part, we've looked at that as we've talked about endurance over the last couple of weeks. Then it says this, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So Paul talks about the household of faith. The New Living Translation calls it the family of faith. The Message Paraphrase calls it a community of faith. But whatever way you want to look at it, when Paul speaks of the church, he talks of the household, the family, the community of faith. So when we speak of church, if you're new to understanding church, you've got to understand there's, there's two things that really we're talking about. Firstly, there's the global church. And that's every single person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, okay? And has a true understanding of who Jesus is. Doesn't mix it with different theology. Understands that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? No one can come to the Father except by him. Those people are the church of Jesus Christ. So we've got to understand when God looks at the earth, he's not seeing, oh, there's my Methodist gathered in the corner. Oh, here's my, here, here's my Baptist. Here are my, my Pentecostals. They're the noisy one. Here, here are the Pentecostals. He doesn't view us that way. He sees us as the church of Jesus Christ, those who have placed our faith in Jesus. But then also when we talk about the church, we also talk about the local church. Now to us that's family church, to us even more that's family church in heaven. And we've got to understand that this community of faith is full of people doing the exact same thing as you. They are running the race of faith. We are running together. Now we can either all be running our races individually, ignoring one another, or else we can use this gift that God has given to us called church to run together and to run a more <laughs> effective race. Now, as I said, just laying the foundation, church is something that God has set in place for a number of reasons. But some of those reasons are that God wants to use church to inspire, to grow, to sustain, to shape, and to build faith within you as you run this race. But here's the thing. Your race is never going to be more effective or strengthened by an event alone. It's going to be more effective in the context of community. What do I mean by that? That there will be a ceiling or there will be a limit to how church can help you in your race if you view it as a Sunday morning event that you come to every now and then in a building called the Empower Centre Heaven. As opposed to understanding that church is a community of God's people who are there to run with you. Now don't get me wrong, we understand that the meeting of church is important. The gathering together of God's people is important. We're living in a day and an age after COVID where um, you know, some people have been spending too much time on YouTube and they've come out of this time of COVID saying that you know, this is a time to disband the church and this is very much a moment where the church is being disbanded and the deconstruction of the church seems to be the in thing. To me, I'll only allow that to be the in thing when you take out Hebrews 10 verse 25 that says, do not forsake together the gathering together of God's people. When you can find that that's no longer in the Bible, then we'll have a conversation. But until then, we understand that this is important because the gathering together of God's people is a moment when the church comes together to worship, to pray, to receive, to serve, to be equipped. But an event isn't church. A building isn't church, but the church is a community of God's people 
who want to help you run this race well. So what I want to do this morning is to remind some of you and to underline to some of you, to others of you, I want to encourage you, to challenge you, dare I say it, for some of you I may irritate you today, about the fact that actually God wants to use those connections from church and relationships in church to grow, to shape, to sustain your faith and help you run the race. Relationships are a vital part of how God wants to use the church in you running the race. Now, at this point, we could launch into a whole load of practical applications of how this app works and what this looks like, but I don't want to do that just yet because I know that in the last five minutes of things that I've just said, there are people in this room who maybe your response was this, you switched off completely. You thought, oh, I'll listen again next week because this part isn't for me. You've got objections as to why this isn't for you. And so what I want to do today, first off, is look at some reasons why connecting with people is so important. Because we've become experts at coming up with excuses and coming up with reasons why this doesn't apply to us. So I want to deal with some of that this morning. Now, for some of you, as you hear me speaking today, your response is simply this. I don't need church in that way. I don't need church in that way, thank you very much. I'm okay running by myself. Me and God have got this thing going on, and I'll just run by myself, thank you very much. Some of you may even go further and say, I'm actually better on my own. And you've got reasons to back that up. You've got reasons to justify that. Maybe somebody hurt you. Maybe somebody let you down at one stage or another in your life. I've said many times before, too many people today are living in isolation. We've talked about the truth that we are the most connected generation in all of history, yet we are some of the most disconnected people ever to live on planet Earth. You can connect with people at the touch of a button. You can watch other people's conversations. People do that with popcorn. Wow, he said, she just said that. We live in a generation where a click of a button, you can connect with somebody the other side of the world. Yet the truth is more people are lonelier today. Statistically, this isn't just me saying random ramblings on stage. Statistically, more people are lonelier today than they have ever been in the history of humanity. Yet we live in the most connected generation, apparently, in all of history. It's amazing how you can be surrounded by people and yet have no one that you open up to about your struggles, about your successes, about your journey of faith when that is not the way God designed it to be. We can come in here on a Sunday morning. See, an event on a Sunday morning means that we come here and we can say, yeah, I'm running my best lap. I've got it all together. Yet the truth is you're carrying an injury. The truth is you are weighed down by so much in your life. The truth is there's sin that keeps tripping you up. The truth is that you're not sure if you can keep going and endure any longer. And yet with all that still going on, we still find ourselves saying, I don't need other people. Listen, God's word flies in the face of what you have just said in that moment. Listen to this wisdom, Genesis 2.18. At the beginning of time, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, why did God do it? Was that purely about sex? Was that purely about reproduction? I don't believe it was. I believe it was a much bigger thing than that because Adam and Eve represented man and woman in that moment. God looks at them and said, I have made a a person who needs relationships. This is a relational being. 
Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he understood this too. He shares this account in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8. Just turn your Bibles there if you've got your Bibles open. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8. So I'd want to just look at a couple of verses. It says this. There was a man all alone, and he had neither son nor brother. In other words, there was nobody that he was connected to. I don't believe this is just talking about biological relatives. This is a bigger thing, that he had no one close to him. And the result of that, doing life alone, was this. There was no end to his toil. In other words, life didn't work because life never will work in isolation. So listen to what he tries to do. The Bible says, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. In other words, this guy tried to substitute into his life what only relationships can truly bring you. So I'm going to put in more hours at the office. I'm going to do more work. I'm going to get more hobbies. I'm going to try all this outward stuff. But actually it didn't work because real life change and significance only ever takes place in the context of relationships. Running alone never really Work. So he carries on. Solomon continues. Verse 9. With these words that we know very well. Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other to succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But one who falls alone is in real trouble. God's word is saying no man is an island. God's word is saying you will run better in the context of relationships around your life. So if as we start talking about this, your response is, um, you know, I I don't need church in that way. God's word would disagree with you this morning. Now, for others of you, you say, well, it's just not really me. It's not who I am. So so I'll come to church on a Sunday morning, but but I'll stick with the service. Thank you very much. I don't want to dip my toes in any deeper uh, than that. Now, again, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you have become a part of a family of God, and families are built for relationships. Now, we know that no family is perfect. I've shared many times before that family church haven't is an imperfect family. But families are built for relationship. So this is exactly for you. Another one that people say is, well, I just don't have the time for it. I just don't have the time for it. I just don't. Life is just so busy because busy is a word that's very fashionable. Busy is a word we like to often use to make us feel more important. That's why many people's their world collapsed when suddenly COVID came and all they had to do was sit around in their pajamas. Oh, I don't know how to freight. Oh, I've been busy ironing. I've been busy mowing the lawn. I've been busy. Because we love to say that we're a busy people. But genuinely, you may say, I'm really busy. I've got a busy job. I've got a house to upkeep. I've got kids who've got a thousand and one after school activities and then the before school activities. I've got a car to wash. I've got elderly parents to look after. I've got hobbies that I want to keep up with. I don't have the time to connect with people beyond one and a half hours on a Sunday morning. Listen, here's my response to that. I'm busy too, but here's what I've learned in life. I'm too busy not to have the right people in my life. Life is too busy and too full on to not have people in my life. I need encouragement. I need prayer. At times, I need correction. I need laughter. I need fun. I need to squeeze out of all that God has for me through this faith gift called the church. Listen, don't let your schedule, don't let your busyness, don't let life dictate to you how to live your life. Because for all of us, if we make the time, you will benefit. And people will benefit from you 
as well. Proverbs 27, 17, one of my favorite verses, is iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I want to ask you today, especially to, to maybe some of you who have made this your church home over the last 10 months since we um, regathered after COVID, I, w- I want to ask you today, are we getting out of church and this gift all that God has for us? Are we building relationships that are going to help us run the race? Are we making connections within this community that are going to help us in our walk with God? They're going to help us to succeed and be in health in every single area of our life. Because if not, then maybe it's time we made some changes. So here's the practical outworking. Because there's no point preaching all of that and then not giving you something practical to hang it onto. Again, I want to underline, this is very simple, but it's so foundational and so important that we can't go on to talk about other things that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks without actually having this in place because an event on a Sunday morning will not change your life. It will help you, but it will not transform your life. So here's some practical outworkings of it. It's time to make relationships and grow relationships. So simple... But are we actively looking to do that in this community? Do you know, every great relationship, think about it for a moment. This is rhetorical, don't need to shout out. Think about all the best relationships in your life that you have right now. Some of you, that may include years and years of marriage. Think about all the greatest relationships that you had in your life uh, and you have in your life right now. They all began with a simple hello. There was a simple beginning to every single relationship that you are a part of. All the best relationships started somewhere. And so there are people in this church today, sat here today, or maybe they're not here, but they were here last week or next week. There are people in this community who I promise you, God has placed in your life. God wants to unlock the potential of those people in your life. But that potential will never be unlocked until we do something very simple and build relationships. See, so often we're over here with God, oh, bless me, I want the supernatural, I want the spiritual. And yes, we want to experience that, but so much of that starts over here in the practical when it comes to building relationships. So what does that look like? For some, it means sticking around after the service instead of rushing off. You may not be able to do it every week. I know different people have different time commitments and shifts and all that kind of stuff. But for some of you, it's as simple as sticking around after the service, grabbing a tea and a coffee, striking up a conversation with somebody, not going towards all those people that you naturally, gravitationally go towards every single week, breaking out of our little bubbles. I told you this was simple, but it can revolutionize your understanding of church. There are relationships that God wants to bring into your life. There are different things that we're going to be doing. At the end of May, we're going to do our next Um, family lunch. Taffy talked about that. At the end of June, we're going to be doing a a barbecue in the back garden. None of those are going to cost you. You can bring something, but if you don't, that's absolutely fine. We still want you to be a part. We're not going to put a charge on the barbecue. We want every single person to be a part of that. Now, why do we do family lunches? I mean, is it simply because, you know, I don't know, your pastor is growing an addiction to jollof rice? It may be. (laughs) It may be. And, you know, we don't, we're not, like, I'm not the Pope, but you may get an extra blessing on that day if you bring jollof rice. I don't know. Just, just, uh, okay, for those who are listening to recording, that's not biblical, so I just want to underline that. 
before somebody like rips that off the audio and says, oh, the pastor said there's blessings for Jollof Rice. No, I, ju- I just like you more. But, you know, the reason we do it is because we understand the power of relationships and those relationships start by very, something very simple. Very simple, but can actually lead to a transformation in your life. Now, these are the things that we're doing, but we want it to be more than stuff we're putting on. Because otherwise it just becomes an event again. I want to have a culture within family church where we are doing relationships, where we are seeking out others. I want to challenge you. When was the last time you invited somebody out for a coffee or, or just for a chat? When was the last time uh, you invited people over for dinner? And you're like, this is not very spiritual today. You know, last week we spoke about macrophumia and we, we split the Greek word. Remember that? We, we split the Greek and, you know, that was an in-depth Bible study today. Okay, if this isn't spiritual, then let me say this with my tongue firmly in my cheek, then Jesus wasn't spiritual. <gasps> Sharp intake of breath, somebody walks out. Heresy! Okay, read your Bible. Listen to this. Luke 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. He didn't even like Pharisees, and he went around the house. Luke eleven thirty-seven, As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal, so he went in and took his place at the table. Luke 14, verse 1, One Sabbath day Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees. John 12, 1 to 2, Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Luke 22, 14 to 15. When the time came, Jesus and his apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. John 21, 9 to 12. Now, this is one of the, the most beautiful facets of Jesus. When I read this passage, I see Jesus, who is fully God and fully human. Listen to this moment. This is with his closest friends who have journeyed with him. It says, when they got there, speaking of his disciples, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish. <laughs> there you go, Aki, you've never caught that many. 153 <laughs> large fish. And yet the tor- net was not torn. This is such a beautiful... And Jesus, looking at his, the risen Jesus, looks at his disciples and says, come and have breakfast. It's not just practical, there's spirituality to this. There's so many examples that we could look at, but Jesus saw the value of building relationships over food. Jesus would use mealtimes to, to share with people, to deepen friendships. It was a way that he spoke kingdom truths to the Pharisees. It's a way that he played with misconceptions. How dare Jesus eat with sinners? That's what they would say. It was a way of reaching the lost. So look to connect with others. What else could that look like? Connect groups. Oh, he's talking about connect. Yeah, yeah, connect groups. And there's so many testimonies we could share today of people who have understood this, but connect group is not another event to add to your calendar. It's a community that will help you journey through so many facets of your walk with God. You will run the race better in community. So if you're not yet in a connect group, if you're new and you say, what on earth is a connect group? It's a smaller expression 
of church that meets throughout the week and maybe once a week, twice a week. Some are online, some are in person. Some are male, some are female, some are... There's all manner of different groups. Come and speak to us and we will help you to join a connect group. Join in a team. Now again, we don't want people serving out of a misunderstanding of what serving is about. We don't want people serving to make God love them more. We don't want people serving just because the church said, why not join a team? Because all that will lead to is burnout and all that will lead to is people thinking that God loves them more when they serve more. But joining a team is a great way of rubbing shoulders with people that, again, are going to speak into your life and support you on your journey. You may not be able to do all of these things, but I'm sure there's one or two of these things that I'm talking about today that you could pick out and put into practice in your life. So many ways that we can serve and connect in the family of God. So a number of these things, yes, are very practical. But as I said, the practical leads to the supernatural when you read God's word. So there's a challenge for people here. And I want to end with this. There's a final group of people I want to speak to today who maybe, again, if you were honest, because I'm very blunt, I'm very honest. Some of you are a bit more reserved and kind, um, which actually as a pastor, that's not a good thing to say. Let's move on. Um, (laughs) But some of you would maybe say on the way home, well, that was a waste of 30 minutes because I'm already in a connect group. I'm already in a team. I already hang around with social events. I already do Here's my challenge to you. Are you looking out for others who are running the race, or are you still stubbornly head down running your own race? Now, Pastor Sean from Portsmouth has got a great word that he's going to be communicating. You do not want to miss next week um, because he's got a great word that he's going to challenge us with on this. But are we looking out for other people as they run their race. Are we looking out for people on the outside laps? People who are on the fringes? People who need your support, your love? Or are you too busy, head down, I've got to get to my finish line, I've got to, I'll just ignore everybody else running around me. Are we looking out for those who we're seeing slowly walk off the lap, off a racetrack? And they're slowly disconnecting and disengaging with God and his house. And you're seeing them, and they, they look like they're walking off out the stadium but but you're just so focused on your run and me and my God and that's all well and good that comes first but what about other people who are meant to be running the race with you are we actually looking out for them so next week we're going to move on to talk about discipleship there's a great word coming but I wanted to lay that foundation of understanding we are not running this race alone and neither should we be because God has created the church for a number of different reasons to grow his kingdom but one of those reasons is that you would understand i am running this race alongside others listen there's a world out there where we need the support of other people right when you're in the workplace very often there is none of it you are the only one that's so important that there are people in your life who when you're going through stuff, come alongside you. Listen, there's again so many testimonies we could share of people, uh, specifically over lockdown, where they said, you know what, I-, I, was, I was on the floor, but somebody came along and lifted me back up. And I'd ring people and say, how are you doing? Oh, my connect group have got around me. Oh, my, my connect- oh, somebody popped to my house and socially distanced, just had a conversation with me. And that happened during lockdown, but it continues today. If you're not experiencing that, I want to encourage you, get involved. 
not just serving, get involved with building community in the house of God because there are people in the other lanes who are there to support you and God has placed you here to support them and together we can make a kingdom difference. Let's just close our eyes this morning and end with prayer. Again, like I've been challenging you over the last few weeks, just take a moment to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through this? Because the amazing thing is one word can be shared from the stage, but the Holy Spirit can make it apply in different ways to different people. Heavenly Father, I just pray that this word would just land and, and, and Lord, people would be honest enough to say where it lands for them. Lord, for some that may be that they've just been selfishly running head down and it's not really selfish, they've, they've wanted to run their best race but as they've been so keen to run their best race they've forgotten there's other people around them who are also running. Lord, for those who feel like they're on the fringes, Lord, would you, would you do something in their lives and would you help people to see them so that we can draw them in to really be a part of a community? Lord, we know that the enemy would like nothing more than to disunify this community of faith. So Lord, I just speak protection over our unity and over our friendships and over our relationships. And Lord, I pray for any single person here today who even in the context of church has felt lonely, has felt isolated. Lord, I pray that in some way this would be the beginning of the end of isolation for anybody in this church. Whether it's them taking steps towards others or whether it's others taking steps towards them. Lord, that we would run this race in strength. Lord, I thank you that the church is not an event. That the church is not a building. The church is a community of people who have Jesus in common. And Lord, I thank you that you've placed us in this community of faith, in this time of history. Lord, help us to run our, our lap the best that we can, knowing that there's a generation who have come before and there's a generation that will follow us. Lord, over this era of Lee Park, there's been people who have been here before us, Lord, pioneering, doing things. Lord, we want to honour them, Jesus, this morning. But Lord, help us to run our lap the best we can before we hand on the baton to others. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.